0: Out and let's, let's make a confession tonight. Praise God. Hold on to your Bible and say this after me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. God's now word to me. God's now word to me. I, absolutely it says, I absolutely believe everything it says no matter what the devil says, no matter what people say, no matter what circumstances say. I am, I am a born-again believer. I am an anointed receiver. I an anointed receiver. Therefore, I seize everything, I see everything. That, God has for me that God has for me tonight. I access heaven's best. I access heaven's best. It, changes my it changes my future. And everything is turning out amazing. And everything is turning out amazing. Isn't that it? <laughs> Praise God. Well, we're going to say that or something similar to that this whole year, so you just start getting into the sink of it, and you know, we'll just see how the Lord leads on that, but're to confess we're going to confess the, the will of God every time we come together. And you know, uh, our prayers avail much, our sayings avail much, and we're going to have what God wants us to have. We're not going to miss it. We're not going to miss it. I want to start on a new series tonight. I want to start something new tonight. Because I've been real challenged in my prayer time and and uh, in just looking for the direction for Word of life Church and for the kingdom of God that we uh and, and uh, believe it or not, it was a little bit uh, confirmed the other day when uh, Coach Saban came back and, you know, they said, they said uh, you know, Coach, what did you do to prepare for LSU? What, what did you do? What, you know, you had 44 days and you, you must have jazzed it up here and you must have tweaked it out over there. And basically one of the players, I guess it was a player or maybe it was Coach, just said, you know, we just started executing the basics. We just got it where we didn't change much special teams, we got that down a little bit, but basically what they said is, is we just started executing the basics, and you know, that's just it right there. We don't need the newest, latest, and greatest plan to get rich or to get to heal, we just need to execute the basics. Say, I can do that. that." You can do that. So we're going to talk about tonight um, ministering to ourselves and getting ourselves back to where we should be what we should be, who we should be, what we should be doing, and the royalty or the, the place that God has put us in. Now, we're not trying to get anything going here, but we need to always execute the basics. What has he said about us? And sometimes in problems and circumstances and stuff, you and the devil, you forget who you are. You get to take you get to taking that, uh, that, uh, that loser position that defensive position. So tonight with me turning your Bible to Psalm chapter 8, the 8th Psalm if you would. And let's let's talk about the truth that you and I were created and intended to be amazing. Point to yourself and say I am amazing in him. You are, you are amazing in Him. You are fascinating. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You know, it's, it's fun after Christmas or your birthday to have some new stuff around. All the young people have got their head in a device of some kind and, you know, all the things. And boy, I tell you, it's Christmas every day for you and me. We, he, in him, it's just it's amazing every single day. And here in Psalm chapter, the 8th Psalm, I'm going to share something quite fascinating, I think, with you about this. Um, but the psalmist, we'll just go down to verse 3, where um, uh, David said this. He's talking to the Lord. You can tell here. The context is, is he's talking to God. And uh, he said, "...when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained..." Here's the question. "...what is man, that thou art even mindful of him?" Do You get the, the sense of even mindful of him. "...and the son of man, that thou visited him." So back it up, put it in context. He's looking at the stars and the heavens and the majesty. Go to the Grand Canyon. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? And you look out that and you go, ah, it's just a big ditch. It's no big deal. When you step over that thing for the first time, it takes your breath. It is amazing, that big ditch. Uh, And and the first thing you do is you think of God. Oh, God, this is... um," And there's other things that are like that. Well, David's looking up and looking around and saying, God, we are just a speck on the back of a speck that's on the the bottom of a speck here. What is it that you have got going on about man when we are nothing in nothing? And then he said in verse 5, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angel's, and has crowned him with glory and honor, thou madest him this, you know, what is this, Lord? Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Point to yourself and say, I am am amazing amazing in him. him. Now, what's even more amazing is if you look at that word in verse 5, Angels. It says, "Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels." Look it up in your uh, in your Strong's or any kind of whatever, and the word there is the word Elohim. What's that? Well, it's the same word that's in Genesis one one that says, "In the beginning, Elohim." And I went through the whole concordance from Genesis. I quit it about Jeremiah. But uh, looking up this word, uh, number 130, Elohim, and it is translated God or gods every single time except one place, right here. Right here, the New King James translators could not stand to agree with God that we've been made a little lower than Elohim. It, the, really, it's, the word means it's the It's the plural of the word Almighty God. So in the beginning God, the Trinity, the triune God, in the beginning God, here the psalmist said, what is it about man that we are so insignificant and yet you've made him just a little bit lower than Almighty God? But of course the translators, they just couldn't stand that, so they just stuck this word angels in here because they couldn't put on themselves who we are. They couldn't agree with God. And you know it's been happening ever since. We've always just made ourselves, you know, just little old me, just little old insignificant me. And it's wrong. You can't do what God's called you to do. You can't have what God's called you to have. And you can't be what God's called you to have unless you agree with him. If your kid that you, that you birthed and raised up and sent to school, when he got 13, he said, you know, I, I don't belong to y'all. I belong down the street, and I'm going down the street and live with them. You'd go, no, you are, you are blood of our, you are bone of our bone, and they'd go, no, I'm changing my mind. I'm a Jones now. I'm going down the road. They they have better supper, and they all got iPads or whatever. You'd go, you are, you are off your whatever because you are one of us. Well, that's what we've done. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, religion is unwilling to agree. Uh, with God about his creation. Religion just won't say it. And that's what King James did there. They just said, we just can't do it. We just cannot say we've been made a little lower than God because he's God, and we are peon, little ants, little termites, little little nothings. And the truth is, y'all, in him we are amazing. How would you know that? You have to go to the Bible. Because there is nothing in you and me that would betray that we've been made a little lower than Elohim. There's nothing in our outward appearance. The senses couldn't pick it up and say, you are something special. (laughs) We aren't. But in him, we are. And we need to start knowing it and start acting. Amen? Sin consciousness uh, refuses to bow to the word of Almighty God. When you're conscious about sin, and that's what David was uh, addressing there, was that, you know, all around we're nothing. The King James writer says, you know, we are just, we are just pigs. We are just nothing. But the Word of God says we're, we're something. Sin consciousness, things that you've done in your past, things that you've experienced, keeps you from saying, I've been made a little lower than Almighty God. Am I right? guilt will not let go of your life without having your mind renewed it'll always leave a stain that you can find that'll come back you can always find your past sins the devil and people and things will always come up and said i know who you are you're the one that did the so-and-so back in 97 well you didn't need that you were thinking about it every day anyway are y'all with me so it's, it's challenging to believe who we are with what we've done and what we've seen. Shame. Shame is something that demands a lifetime of works and, and, uh, and constantly making something up for the shame that we've experienced. Y'all ever done anything? I looked down one time when I was a sophomore in high school. I mean, this is nothing, but I had, I had two pairs of brown shoes at home, got in the closet one morning, Trying to catch the bus, looked down at school in front of the lockers, and I had a left from that pair and a right from that pair. And all of a sudden, my feet grew out three feet long and two feet wide. You know, everybody was looking at them all day. Nobody ever saw them that I know of, but I was so conscious of those unmatched shoes. They were both brown. It wasn't like one was a tennis shoe and one was a. But you know, that's what shame will do to you. It, It just brings it to you. It's all about me. I'm undone, I'm not worth anything. And the fear of self-righteousness, the fear of self-righteousness keeps men from saying what God has said about them in faith. We just don't want to say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We just don't want to say my bills are paid. We, don't want to just, we just don't want to say that I have dominated sin in Him. But it's the truth. It's what the Bible says. It's what God says about you. But we don't want to be, be made as self-righteous. Well, who do you think you are? Well, it's in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We're, we're, my righteousness. Well, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, it was before Jesus, but now I'm a post-Jesus boy. I'm after Jesus. Something happened at the new birth, and my, my, I'm not, my sins are not as filthy. My life is not as filthy rags. My righteousness is not uh, uh, the dump yard. I'm the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. Come on, y'all. We've got to put it on, because I'm going to talk to you tonight about how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live based on who we are in Him, and not what we've experienced, and not what we expect. I'm telling you, this world has dumbed us down, and got us pretty whooped, and if you watch television much, you're prone to violence, you're prone to saying bad words, you're prone to thinking about murder. Murders happen all the time. You're prone to abortion. You're prone to uh, fornication and adultery. You're prone to to child abuse. If you watch anything, if you read anything in the newspaper, everything is just, it's evil and negative. And you you find yourself slipping over into that. Oh, well, we'll go on. Well, I'm telling you this year we're going to put on an excellent life. Point to yourself and say it with me. I'm going to put on an excellent life. Let's do it. Everybody in here with me. I'm going to put on an excellent life. All the time, you'll see deals where somebody will say, listen, usually it costs $12 to go the, 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 the good way it's, and $6 to go the cheap way, like at a car wash, but we got a coupon here for 6 bucks, and you, for 6 bucks, you can go through the, through the deluxe car wash. Now, everybody looks at that and says, it'll cost the same to go through the deluxe as it was the one where they just spit on you as you go through. That's right. Well, we all go the deluxe, don't we? Well, this is what God has got. He's got. I'm saying deluxe. Hallelujah. <laughs> deluxe. I did that on purpose, y'all. Okay. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let's put on an excellent life. Let's put on an excellent life. I, I don't know if you've had enough of that other life. But I've had all I want. I'm going to put on an excellent life in 2012. Going we'll to put on an excellent life. It says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, are you there? Yeah. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are, ju- are uh, just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue the word "their virtue, is excellence. If there be any excellence, if there be any virtue or excellence, if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, that word think there means to consider and to estimate until you can esteem. So, the Bible tells you and me that we have to meditate on what the Word says about us until we can esteem what God has said about us. Till I go up to Garland and just say, I want you to know, fellow, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And I can do all things through Him. And they go, well, you're really full of yourself, you got to understand, it doesn't matter. Then, then you can say, by his stripes I was healed. Then you can say, my God supplies all my needs. And then you can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. But you gotta, you got to put it on for you before you can put it on for out there. You can't receive something out there until you've put it on on the inside. Until you've become right, you can't get something right. You can't go out there and get something because you'll, you'll act like it's somebody else's because you don't deserve it. So until you get yourself where you esteem and value what God's done in you, you don't have a right to go get what he's given you. So i got to find out what he's made. He, I am special, y'all. You are special. Can you say it with me tonight? I am special. In him, you are. Now, see, that hurts some people. That's just hard on some folks to say, I'm his favorite. (laughs) That's hard. Hallelujah. You know how uh, good is the enemy of best. Why is good the enemy of best? Good is the enemy of best because it pretends to upgrade to just enough. Just good enough. Just good enough. Well, we're not hurting today. We've got some bills paid, and, and we'll, we'll somehow scratch out the rest of them. That's, that's good instead of putting on the best. Instead of putting it on and just saying, it isn't good enough. It isn't good enough to be hurting. It isn't good enough to not have this. It's not good enough that that's not working. It's not good enough that the devil is, is wailing on my head. It's not good enough, and so I'm going to hold out for the best. Anytime you stop, that's where you're going to live. Wherever you stop and say, good enough, that's where you're going to live. Turn with me to Romans, if you would. Look at several scriptures tonight. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. I'm putting on an excellent life. <laughs> I'm not going to take anything from the Lord that he hadn't already given. I'm not, I'm not reaching. I'm not a usurper. I'm not, uh, uh, what, what was it said about uh, Jacob said he was a usurper. Because uh, he, tri- he stole the birthright, he stole Esau's birthright. A supplanter—that's what the King James says. I'm not a supplanter. I'm not a usurper. I'm not a deceiver. He said it, and if I can find where he said it about me, and that he wants me to have what he made me to have, I'm going to take what's mine. Come on, y'all. You've heard this. You've heard this for years. But we're going to we're going to drive it in this 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 year. We're going to drive it in. Till it's like, bless God, that's, that's how it is, and it won't be different. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, says, uh, this, just talking about you and me, um, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Could I have a show of hands tonight of those that are led by the Spirit of God? Well, these are the sons of God. If you have ever been led by the Spirit of God, it proves, it verifies, it sanctions that you are the Son of God, because no illegitimate or pretender can be led by the Spirit of God. So if you've ever been led by the Spirit of God, you are the Son of God. And then he says in verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds, deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, that, that was verse 13, wasn't it? <laughs> verse 15, sorry about that. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but here it is. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father, which is translated in the Aramaic, Daddy, Daddy, Papa. So here we are again. Who am, him, who am I? I'm the Son of Almighty God. I am the Son. I am the begotten. John 3.16 says that, uh, that uh, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. And it was true when it was spoken. But not anymore. Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God. We came. We came. I've been born again. So now he's the firstborn among many brethren. Who's the brethren? We are the sons of God. Oh, it's awesome, y'all. Ver, the next verse, verse uh, 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, look, that we are the children of God. Say it with me. We are the children of God. So the point here is, is that we've been birthed of royalty. I, I, he's not some s- scraggle tooth, you know, uh, a limping along beggar that came down the road and said, I got some kids around here somewhere. He is the king. He is the Lord. And he had children, and we are those children. I've been born again, y'all, born again. Born again of the Spirit of God. I've been born of God. I don't look like it on the outside, but on the inside, I've got his DNA stamped on me, and, and I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ that Christ would do, which strengtheneth me, which empowereth me. I'm telling you, we could strut some stuff tonight in him. Now, if you don't if you're not in him, the devil's going to kick you to the door. Don't think that you know, don't think that you won the award for the best employee at the bank and you you know, you're citizen of the month down at the, at the at the city. It it doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean anything. Governor or president or senator, nothing. But if you've been born of God, you got some credentials. You got a pedigree, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been talking about it, but it's right there, slip over. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, what does it say? Oh, it says, all about you and me. Verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, it says there, creature, but the word is creation. Old things, old things are passed away, literally made dead. Behold, all things are become new. And then in verse 21, talking about the Lord, Father, and Jesus, says, For he hath made him. So Father hath made him Jesus. Father hath made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus Jesus knew no sin. Made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What happened? That we might be made, the word there is fulfilled and finished, the righteousness of God in him. Cause could we say then, I am the righteousness of God in Christ? Could we say that? If you have been made born again, if old things have passed away, the sin nature, the old man that you were has been taken away and now you are Well, you know, I still mess up. And you know, yeah, you do. I did. We will. Well, you know, I got some work to be done. Yeah, you do. But it doesn't matter. He's already made you and I the righteousness of God in him. So we're in the God class of being on the inside. Does it look like it? I dare to say no. But the Word says it. So there's a discrepancy. There's, a, there's an argument to be made. Which way? By how you feel or by what God says? Well, you can't just not believe that, but believe the, the Bible where it says you're going to go to heaven. Oh, I believe I'm going to heaven. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over it. But it's all in the same Scriptures, isn't it? Hallelujah. So we've got we to gotta stop there. First Peter chapter 2. Slip over. We're talking about how... Our pedigree is heavenward. First Peter chapter 2. Just out of the Bible. Just talking out of the Bible. Not making it up. Not looking around at another book. Just taking verses. First Peter chapter 2. Look in verse 9. Let's read it together. Are you there? Verse 9. Ready? Read. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. The word peculiar there, you may wonder what that means. It doesn't mean weird. Actually, it means a bought one, a possessed one. Hey, he can buy me any day, anyway. Because when you come into the family of God, it, everything happens that could happen that we like. So we're a peculiar people, we're a holy priesthood, uh, we are the best there is. Truly, truly if you were made a little lower than the angels, you'd say that was, yeah buddy, good, but that's nothing. Actually, the Bible says that you and I, in the, in the very end of time, we will be telling the angels, we already do in the sense of, of, of authority down here, but they will be doing our bidding in heaven. Oh, I'm telling you, we're way above that, Hallelujah. So, uh, we're made into a higher quality of life than any man with any authority, power, pedigree, or money could hope to attain. We already have it right now. It's already happened for us, and there's worldly people that can never get where we already are with all their life in a long struggle and a long run. We're already there. The key is, of course, is to believe it. The key is, is which side are you going to believe? What, how you feel? What your account looks like? How things are going? Which are many times terrible because there's a real devil out there. There's a real curse in the world. Or to believe the word of God that says it's already happened. What are you going to believe? You know, you could tell your son, your daughter, or whatever. You know, hey. Your grandpa was king or your, your, your father was president. You, you are, you're in a family that we got some stuff. It doesn't mean anything to him. He just wants to get the Tonka truck and go get in the sandbox. Is that right? It doesn't mean anything to him, but but we know what he's got. And princes and and princesses of of royalty and dynasties and everything, they're just regular folks, little kids that just want to go out and, you know, uh, jump in the rain and all that sort of stuff, yet they're destined for a throne. That's what we are. That's who we are. And one day they'll tell them, this is who you are. Well, I didn't even know. Well, we knew, and we're telling you now. Well, see, it's time for us to wake up and say, he's telling us. He's telling us. Hallelujah. What does it say in Daniel chapter 6? Let me read this to you. Remember Daniel, lion's den guy, uh, uh, raised up, had a lot of enemies, but it says that then this Daniel, verse 3, was preferred above the presidents and the princes because, why? Because, why? Because an excellent spirit, say it with me, an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. God's no respecter of persons. Listen, y'all, if we'll work on that excellent spirit inside of us, get our heart right, God will advance you way past the so called proverbial rabbit, the hare that's running down the road trying to get something done. You'll win. You'll win if you'll put your focus on Jesus. You'll win if you'll let this thing persuade you of its truth about the reality of your life. I have, I'm putting on an excellent spirit this year. I'm putting it on. It's not something God just chooses. You, you, and you, get one. You, you, and you, go to the back of the line. It's up to you and me. I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on. It's a choice. I'm setting my course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to ask you tonight, what is it that lowers a person's heart? What makes men good men? What What is Tuscaloosa County Jail full of? I've been in there. There's around 670 inmates or so tonight in Tuscaloosa County Jail. It runs from 640 to 720 on any given night. That's a lot of folks, y'all. Some of them are in there for child support. Some of them are in there because they just couldn't pay their... T- traffic fine. Some of them in there have done bad things. But all of them are in there because they were thinking wrong. They thought wrong. It's not because, well, it was his fault and I didn't. It's not me. You can't get there and be there for any length of time without having something wrong in your heart. It doesn't mean everybody that's on the outside hasn't got anything wrong with their heart. It just means that's the inevitable. Something like that. What is it that causes or lowers our heart. One thing that does is cheating. Just cheating. Not that you are an offshore tax, got millions of dollars, but just being a cheater. Being someone that's suspicious all the time. Do you know those people that that you can't please them with anything? They're suspicious. They have a low heart. Um, uh, Strife. Y'all know anybody that just can't get along? They say, this is what I got to have. You give it to them, and they change it. They want something else. I love that sign. I'll say it forever, I guess. They have a solution, they have a problem for every solution. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> those are the people I try to stay on their path. It lowers their heart. They have religion. They have twisted doctrine. They have a false humility. They are in competition. Say it with me. Competition. Better. Competition. See, we don't compete with anybody. The only thing you and I are competing uh, with as Christians are to outlove one another. I tell Lisa, Lisa, "Lisa, I love you more than you love me, but I want you to narrow the gap. I want you to always work on it. That's, you know, we fun around like that, but competition. Pursuing pleasure lowers your heart. What raises your heart? What gives you, what exalts your heart? One thing is serving others. One thing is humility. One thing is praise and worship. Do you ever go down the road And there's nothing really good happening in your life, not really anything exciting, and you just start breaking out. And you know the natural raising of the hands. Keep one hand on the wheel, please, but one hand can go up and just say, Jesus, you're awesome, and start singing a song to the Lord. Put the wrappers with their windows down and their roofs. Put them out of business, singing to the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, meditating virtuous things. We saw that in Philippians. Seeking wisdom. Putting on righteousness. These things exalt your heart. There's are six areas. I want to talk real quick tonight. Six areas that you and I are created and endowed to have excellence of life in. Six areas that you as a Christian that God expects you to put on an excellence of life. Not just do the best you can. Okay, Joe, just do the best you can. Uh, Jerry, do the best you can. No. Six areas that you and I are called, I've looked them up in the scriptures, to have excellence of life in, to have mastery. Say mastery. mastery. Come on, let's say it better. Mastery. Point yourself and say it with me, have mastery. There are six areas that you, ha- that you have to have faith in and the authority by the Word of God to have mastery. The first one is that we're to have mastery over the world of iniquity, transgression, and sin. Do you all know that we are supposed to win over sin? That we're not supposed to be rocked to and fro about a crowd of people that are sinners or, or iniquity people or just roughhousing, that they don't come in the room and take us over. That we're not around certain people. Oh, when I'm around them, I do bad things. But when I'm in church, I'm good. I'm, I don't sin much in church, but when I go home, I'm, I just go. You know, we're not supposed to be that way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, where sin abounded, what what. Grace did much more abound. Doesn't mean sin's not out there. Doesn't mean that your flesh doesn't want a piece of it. It just means that we don't succumb to it. It says in Romans 6, verse 12, let not sin reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey the lust thereof. It says uh, in verse 14, for sin, I love this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin, we're supposed to master sin. Y'all nod your heads. We're supposed to master sin. You got something in your life tonight that you go, it is a tug of war right now. <laughs> you know, ah, mm, mm. The Bible says for for excellence of life, you're going to have to take mastery over sin. Dominate it. You'll have to get a plan. You'll have to get a strategy. You'll have to get God by the Holy Ghost to come in and and say, how are we going to whoop this thing? The blood of Jesus has given you the authority. The Word of God has given you the way. But your individual case, you're going to have to go to the Lord and say, this thing is working me over. You'll be like Paul that says, the thing I want to do, I can't get it done. The thing that I hate, I wake up and there I am with it in my hand. Amen. Everybody amen. Everybody know this is true. But we're to have mastery. To have excellence in life, you need mastery over sin. Can you do it? Can anybody live a whole day without sinning? Absolutely. You absolutely can. Come on, y'all. I don't know if y'all said, saw that. You can live a whole day without sinning one single time. You don't have to live by the lie that says, we're just all sinners, and it happens. You master and dominate sin. The second area that we're supposed to, for excellence of life, to have mastery, is the world of finance and business. Did you know that we are created to dominate money, not to serve it? Did you know that? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. you know all this, but we're just going to line it out and put on excellence of life. Whoo, thank you, Lord. I, I'm winning. Are y'all winning? I'm winning. In Deuteronomy eight eighteen, remember what it says about this? But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he might establish his covenant as it was with your fathers. The power to get wealth, the mastery to get wealth, the excellence of life to get wealth. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at this scripture. This is a covenant scripture. This tells us who we are and what we have. This is more powerful than you can get your head around. You cannot believe this with your head. You cannot reckon this thing. You cannot reason it out in your head alone. You will have to go to the spirit man. You will have to put this on by faith. Oh, you'll say, I believe it. You'll say, oh yeah, I'm all about that. But you won't live it. Out of your head. you got to live it out of this down here and line your head up. It says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, excuse me, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. The word there is beggarly. The word there is indigent. That he became poor, that ye through his indigency, his poverty, might be rich. When did this happen? On the cross. The transaction happened on the cross. It happened. I was made rich on the cross. Not by, you know, Brother Big Bucks slipping me, palming me $10,000. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Yesterday I was poor, but I got Brother Big Bucks over here giving me ten dollars and I, whew, I'm i rich today. No, it happened at the cross. You have to have mastery over money, and business to have a life of excellence. Well, how hard is it? You have to renew your mind, don't you? Just renewing your mind. You don't have to do anything. don't have to go to work. All you have to do is find out what the Word's already said about you. Number three, are you still with me? We, to have a life of excellence, we have to have mastery over thoughts and words. Y'all say amen. amen. You can't say oh me. It's so anyway. It says Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. These are the basics. These are just the basics. We're going to execute the basics, and we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Hallelujah. Verse 4 of chapter 10, 2 Corinthians. For the weapons of our warfare... There are weapons of warfare, aren't there? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but... The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. How's that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Look, every thought. So we've got to take something captive, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Got to take every thought captive. Say, I can do that. You can do that by yourself, out of your own head, out of your own reasoning, never. You will lose, you will fail, you will fall. But I can do all things through Christ. I put on the mind of Christ, and I can take every thought captive. It may get me a time or two. It may wrestle me. I may fall back and say, oh, I thought it, and I thought it all the way through, and as far as I can tell, I'm going to die this weekend based on what I've been thinking or whatever, but you take those thoughts and you say, I'm taking you captive. I'm not going to die and I'm not going to go under and I'm not going to this and that and I'm not going to lose them. I'm taking those thoughts captives, and I'm going to put me some thoughts in about the, the, the plan of God for my life. It says, uh, you know what Mark eleven twenty three 23 says? Speak to the mountain, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says shall come to pass. He shall have what? Whatsoever things He says. So we have to have mastery over our thoughts and over our words. You can't be a a gutter mouth. You can't say, we can't afford, and I feel bad, and I'm probably going to catch it, and and this is going to be the death of me. You can't do it and live and have excellence of life. Now, how hard is it to take hold of your mouth? Do you know that people... I, I'm the preacher, so th- I know this is true. People with potty mouths can turn it off when I walk up. They can. They can. So if you can, you can control your tongue for a season. They're very cognizant that I'm in the room. Some of them don't care, and I don't care that they don't care, but that's beside the point. The point is, is even the most vile and rankest of, 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 of just dribble mouth can shut it off And tighten up. Well, how much more us, who have excellence of life and mastery in the Lord, can change? We can be convicted from the inside. Don't say that. Change the root of that. It's not just that we're saying it; it's that our heart is thinking it or or believing it. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is just saying what it's just reading. It's just telling you the temperature down there. It's not that your words are so bad, it's, it's just giving vent to your heart. So we can change it. We can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, even though we feel like and look like that we are anything but. We can say, I have dominion over sin and, 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 and just have a terrible time. I tell people that want to quit smoking. They come to me and say, oh, pastor, I want to quit smoking, but I just can't. And here, I don't tell them, you sorry, rascal, give that stuff up. You'll go to hell if you just keep on smoking. Don't tell them that. I tell them, light that thing, draw it down to the filter. <laughs> well, no, first, let me go back. I tell them, I say, before you light that thing, say, I don't need this. And then light it and smoke it to the bottom. Do not, don't. Oh, I'm trying to just smoke half of them. I'm just trying to just smell them. Smoke it, to it till the cotton burns <laughs> to the bottom. And then put it down. Put it, there's nothing burning because you smoked it to the bottom. But you have said at every time you smoked one, I have power over nicotine. This thing is a slave to me. And then smoke it to the filter. I'm telling you, it won't last long. You can't do it naturally, so you might as well just enjoy the nicotine, enjoy enjoy the tar, enjoy the smoke, enjoy, you know, making people mad. Just enjoy it. And then one day you'll go, you know, I don't want this thing. Guaranteed. See, we we have to, we are in charge. We are in charge. Number four, praise God. We, to have a life of excellence, must have mastery over the world of healing and health. Y'all say amen. You can't make a life of excellence if you can't get a hold of healing and health. You know the Scriptures. Um, 1 Corinthians 6 says in verse 19, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Then it says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Then we know what 1 Peter 2.24 says. Y'all turn to 1 Peter 2.24. That's a covenant scripture. We read 2 Corinthians 8-9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read 1 Peter 2.24. This is what the Bible says about you. The Bible. Verse 24. What does the Bible say about healing and health for us? Do we have the right to claim mastery over symptoms and trouble? Do we have the right to claim that we'll live and not die? Do we have the right to claim that I'll have a pain-free body? It says in verse 24, who, speaking of the Lord Jesus himself, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Where's that? Anybody else know it? When did that happen? When he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. It was the cross, wasn't it? So we got the, we got the context here. That, so we know here we're going to get the why here. That we, being dead to sins. So that means right there, there's another scripture that says that sin lost its power to dominate us. Right there. On the cross. That we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. That means that we could live like Jesus lives. That's what that means. Should live under righteousness. And then he he tells us how it happened. Why it happened legally. By whose stripes ye were healed. What does it say? Ye were healed? Ye were healed. So if you were healed, we are healed. It's already happened. It's a past tense. It already happened. Well, God, I wish you'd heal me. Sure do hurt. I sure need you to come down and touch my Lord, touch my fevered brow. He's not going to touch your fevered brow. He's already touched your fevered brow. It's time for us to say, thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago you touched my fevered brow. And I put on who I am so I can put on what I have based on who I am. So we, to have excellence of life, must have mastery over health and healing. Point yourself and say, I can do it. You sure can. Are you going to have to change something? 24 hours. I've asked him for 25, and the Lord said no. 24. Ask him for eight days. He said no. Asking him for 32 days. He said no. It's all the same for everybody. you got seven days, you got 24 hours, and you got 60 minutes. So you, if you don't have enough time to give yourself to the Word, something's got to go. Are you all here? Number, Number five. Oh, you're going to like this one. We, to have a life of excellence must master sex and pleasure. Now, you're either getting real excited about that or you're hiding your head like, oh, what could he do with that? Because you all know I have... I have. Anyway, First Peter, let me just read First Peter 5 to you. Verse 6 says, "...but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth." To pursue pleasure is to be dominated by the curse." If you are pursuing the pleasure, pleasure, you are in the flesh and not in the spirit. Can you not have pleasure? Oh, I'm a Christian. We can't have no pleasure at our church. Whew. We are having more fun than the world could, th- thought was possible. But we're not pursuing it. We're pursuing Him, seeking first the kingdom, and then the fun comes. It is more fun being a Christian in liberty than it is being a rank sinner. Wide open, full throttle. I'm telling you, it is more fun when you measure it by the peace of God that's in your heart and having a clear hope for your future, a clear hope. In uh, uh, Philippians 4, you know this scripture where Paul is talking in in chapter 4, verse 11. He's talking about his life, and here's what he says about pleasure. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." How many of y'all could say, just not, without, not by lifting your hand, but just say, I've been, I've been in tough times, and I've been in good times, and I was happy in both. Learn to just say, this is bad on the outside, but there's some, for some reason on the inside, I am not wiped out. Content, even content. Then he goes on to say, I know how both to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need, and then, then that's where we get our scripture: I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." He's saying, "In Christ, it doesn't matter what's going on the outside, I am at peace on the inside." So pleasure, pleasure, physically, you know physically, there's a chemical drop in your brain that comes. Uh, what is it dopamine or? dopamine that dumps in and you can get it through drugs, you can get it through going down the roller coaster, you can get it through pizza, you can get it through sex, you can get it through a whole bunch of ways but that wherever the stimulus is, wherever the the sensor is plugged into you, whether it's your tongue or you know whatever, the the, the end of it is that it's just a sensation that comes in your brain and makes you very feel like very pleasurable, very happy. Are y'all with me? You know, when you first, you, people that drink at first, they just drink so much, and they get buzzed, and they, it, they get a drop, and they feel good, and they go back to it and go back to it until they're all of a sudden addicted, and it takes a bunch, and they don't even get a buzz. Well, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, we have that same drop in our head, in our brain, that gives us pleasure. But it doesn't come externally. It doesn't come in the sense of a high where you, where you actually uh, experience that. But on the other hand, there is an extreme contentment that comes that as you begin to walk this thing out, that it is like living in a high uh, of the world. It's very desirable. We have, to ma- we have to master things that try to counterfeit what God wants to do in your life. We have to master sex. You just, you just have to know. It's in this world. Um, they're, they're, uh, right now, the FCC is considering lifting because they've had some petitions to say that our television is, is out of touch with our culture and time, and it's time to take some of those archaic limits off of our television. Well, you know, there's just hardly anything else to do on television. I mean, I don't know where you can go after all this... <laughs> But uh, that, that's, how, that's how they're thinking. They're just thinking. There's going to be more, bad language. more nudity and more bad language. Th- this is Sodom and Gomorrah stuff. This is, this is all right in that vein. But the only reason we don't know it is the frog in the kettle. You can throw a frog into a boiling pot, he jumps right out, put a frog in a pot, and then turn the heat up one degree at a time, and he will, fr- he will boil to death and never even jump. And that's what we've done. But the point here is, is to have mastery of life, you got to know that you can't have it unless you get a hold of pleasure. Till you put your pleasure over here under the lordship and mastery of Jesus and say, Lord, I know you want me to have fun. I, want you, I know you want me to be satisfied and fulfilled. Lord, I'm going to let you have that. And I'm telling you, when you turn him loose with it and cut the world off, it is more fun Than you ever had out there. I I know that looking at sinners and looking at people that you couldn't talk them into it, but I'm telling you, it's that way for me. Amen. The last thing is to have mastery in your life and to have a life of excellence. You're going to have to have a. You're going to have to master the world of covenants and families. Say it with me: covenants and families. Can we all say it together? Covenants and families. There is no way you're going to have a life of excellence until you you can have all the accoutrements that I've talked about, one through five, but if you don't have a concept of family, if you don't have a concept of what the Bible talks about, covenants, where you hook up into an agreement that is more powerful than feelings, more powerful than what you did to me and what you said to me and what's going on with me, and, and, and even in the church, the sense of church family, where we have a thing that just says I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that but the covenant is making me stay and making me settle down. It says in, in Ephesians 3 it says for this cause I bow my knee unto the Lord Jesus Christ to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole what family in heaven and earth is named. And so covenants are God's way to bless and protect when you have a family to run into, it's there. where You can be anything you are, and in your family, it's okay. Isn't it the only place you can go where it's okay to be who you are? If you were born with this or you had, had that happen, you can run it. If it's a true family, you can run into your family, and mom and daddy or the family will just say, we don't like it, we don't think it's right, but you are safe here. And that's the way it's supposed to be in a church family. Churches get clicky, and they get where they're, you know, they're exclusive, and you're over here, and we're over here, and you don't, but that's not the way the family's supposed to be. I talked about it the other night. <laughs> Whoever God puts in the family, they have as much right to it as we do. You know, there's, there's uh, uh, places in the county or, or places where people live, scenic places, and they just love where they live, and of course, everybody finds out about it, and they want to move in there, too. And all of a sudden, the great place that was so wonderful, all these new people moved in to get it, and it spoiled it for the ones that were there first. And they're all mad because I was here first, and this is a great place, and now all these people and all this traffic and all that. <laughs> you don't have a right to anything except with your faith in God. Covenants and family are so important for a life of excellence. So just get ready to love everybody in the family. You've got to love us. We've got to love you, and in faith, we can do it, but if we just look at you straight up, we go, why would I bother? You know, who made you a part of my family? We've got to get the concept of, in the Lord, it's just as much as if you were born into it by blood. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm putting on a life of excellence this year. I'm adjusting. You know, most all of y'all are here and going, got most of that we're adjusting hallelujah for a life of excellence this year praise god praise god hallelujah thank you lord praise god just lift your hands with me before the lord hallelujah let's just be sure we don't leave this place without acknowledging how awesome we've been made in him and how special he is to do that lord we praise you tonight we lift up our hearts and our hands before you and thank you for your good hand on us. Oh, Lord, you have been wonderful to us. You've been so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing up to this time. Lord, we thank you as we step out this next year. Hallelujah. Good is in our path. Hallelujah. And we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Deb, do you have anything? Does anybody need healing this morning, this evening? Anybody want to lay hands on you? And we'll pray for you this evening. Anybody? Pamela, come up here. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Let's just all stand up this, this evening so we can come into agreement. What's going on?